It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. The following is a 1500 ESPN Twin Cities production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em. Welcome back to another edition of the Purple Podcast out at Vikings headquarters in Winter Park in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. I'm Ben Gessling, Vikings reporter for ESPN, and I'm joined in our rotating ensemble cast now, probably a a frequent, if not... Every week member, probably every week now, I guess. Is probably yeah, what I hope do. so. I, unless I completely ruin the Purple Podcast and am banned from doing it, I, I hope to be rotating in. Well, we, shoved your, we uh, shoved your predecessor down an elevator shaft when we got rid of him, but hopefully, uh, hopefully things don't end as um, tragically for you. Matthew Collar, our new uh, <laughs> Vikings writer at 1500ESPN.com, uh, joined us on Sunday after the game with Judd Zolgad. I called him from Nashville, and, and Matthew and I probably will be handling most of the midweek editions of the Purple Podcast as we are out in Eden Prairie while Judd is home eating bonbons in his uh, posh estate in the west suburbs, somewhere probably around Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, and we talked about how far you could kick a field goal, which uh, I didn't mention that I can't either kick a very far field goal. I don't think I could make it from 27. No, I I don't think I could either. Uh, Neither of us is being counted upon to win games with our ability to do that, but... The drama starts with us. I think I would do the like classic straightforward boot thing where like you sort the of old, ang- uh, yeah. If you could just lift it up, getting it off the Pete ground. Gogolak, I think yeah. you used to do that. I, mean, I wonder. Like, I wonder if we worked with the kicking coach for a little while. Yeah, if we would have a chance, make twenty-seven. I don't know if we could go much farther than that, but no. But maybe um, we will be uh, over the course of this podcast breaking down the the big uh, Sunday night opener at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Green Bay Packers. We do not know yet who the Vikings starting quarterback will be Sunday night. I think most of us either are hearing or are very strongly leaning that it will be Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford was uh, spending some extra time after practice today 
with Stefan Diggs, Charles Johnson, Adam Thielen, and Kyle Rudolph. Now, that could just be because he is the backup quarterback and is going to need to throw to those receivers, but that, to me, suggested he's trying to build timing with those guys because he's going to need it on Sunday night. What do you think about that there? Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense that he would try to build the chemistry with the top guys, but, I mean, just common sense. Yes. I don't even have to bring into the equation the fact that they're opening a new stadium here and that it's on Sunday night football, Mm -hmm. which is the league's, like, biggest broadcast that they put on every week. Yep. But just the, the fact that it's the Packers. I mean, this is why you got Sam Bradford. I mean, if you felt like you were going to be in good enough shape to beat a team like the Packers with Sean Hill you wouldn't have had to give up a first round pick right and I think as soon as Rick Spielman had this happen as Teddy Bridgewater goes down and he's thinking about all of his options he's got to pull up that schedule and go all right Tennessee we could get through Tennessee I believe we could beat them but Carolina and the Packers at the next two games all right we're going to need somebody really good if we're going to compete with those two teams so that's why he's here and it only makes sense that he would have a couple of weeks to get ready and then come in pretty much having a good feel about what the offense looks like and face the Packers yeah I think I mean if you wanted to go get a quarterback because you said and, and they've kind of tried to say this if, if your thinking was well if Sean Hill goes down we need another guy you don't have to trade a first-round pick to get another guy. You trade a first-round pick to get a guy that you think can still turn your season into what you thought it could become with Teddy Bridgewater. I think it's Sam Bradford. The sense I've gotten from talking to a few people is that it will be Sam Bradford Sunday night and against uh, a team that they might need to put up some more points than they did last week. They might need to score an offensive touchdown or two this week, which they didn't have to last week. I would be surprised if it's not Sam Bradford. We'll see how it plays out. Mike Zimmer does not want to tell the Green Bay Packers that officially, even though Mike McCarthy said today that he thinks it's Sam Bradford. Mike Zimmer went as far as to say he might not tell his players. Now, that may be a smokescreen. I think at some point he'll tell his players. I think it's a little silly not to, but certainly he's trying to keep this a secret, and uh, we'll see how long he's able to do that. I uh, two, two, two parts on this from what you said. First of all, I thought Sean Hill played just good enough to get you that win, and if you played like that against the Packers and didn't score every time you got in the red zone, you're going to lose by a lot, right? Probably, even Probably. if the Vikings play really good defense. Really and Mike good. Zimmer's had a lot of success against Aaron Rodgers, but yeah. you're not going to be able to hold him down the whole night. Right, whole really good defense might be they score two or three touchdowns in right. a game, and you yes. still feel good about it because you're facing – probably the best quarterback in the NFL. Yes. That's one thought. The other is, I, I can't remember who asked, uh, to give credit to who asked Mike Zimmer this question, but it was a good one. Someone asked, why are you doing this? Like, you know right now probably who's starting. I think it was Dave Schwartz from Carol 11 on on, uh, on Monday, right? It was like the last question of the press conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. I think it's a really good question. And he joked around, well, I do it for Sports Talk Radio. And or thank, Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, Sports Talk Podcast as well. But... I'm curious about your opinion on this because mine is they do it because they can. I mean, because when given the option between giving us more information or less, not us, but the Packers too, you always just click yes. And that's really the only logic to it because it doesn't make much of a difference, especially when the Packers coach is going, oh, yeah, guys, Bradford's playing. Well, and that to me is where it becomes such a silly dance because, yes, they are – the reason they care and – Close circuit to all the Vikings fans that are calling the media entitled for this. The reason we ask the questions in the first place is because fans have interest in this stuff. I don't care what you say. You want to know who's starting on Sunday night. You want to know who your starting quarterback is. Every fan is going to have some level of interest in that question. And 
our metrics at ESPN.com with stories we've written about the quarterback situation in the last week would certainly bear that out. Mm -hmm. The reason the Vikings do not want people to know is because they don't want the Packers to know. That is the main reason. It's not, at least in most cases, to make the media's job harder. They They don't care that much about us. Much as we might like to think it, much like much as fans might like to have us be the bad guy, they are doing this so that the Green Bay Packers don't know. The Green Bay Packers, much like the Tennessee Titans last week, are sitting there using common sense and saying, you're not going to trade a first-round pick for this guy if mm-hmm. you're not going to play him. Now, it ended up last week that they obviously used Sean Hill, and I think that made sense. But common sense, as well as the, the, the few rumblings we've heard and, and kind of what we've been able to see, it's probably Sam Bradford, and it's not a situation where, I mean, when they did this in 2012, at the end of the 2012 season for the playoff game, when Christian Potter was hurt and Joe Webb was your backup, I get that a little bit more because those two guys have different enough styles that putting Joe Webb out there if you haven't prepared for him is going to throw some things off, and it did the first drive of that game until Bill Musgrave ran out of things to call for Joe Webb. This isn't really that situation. These guys aren't that different in their styles, and, and Mike McCarthy said it today. All it really does is make your preparation longer. You're still preparing for both guys in case one of them plays. It's no different than if you know, Sam Bradford were to have a fever of 103 degrees on Sunday night and Sean Hill's the guy. I don't, I just, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. It, it becomes this game and people play it because, like you said, uh, the alternative is to give more information and NFL teams are not uh, inclined to do that, but... I really don't think it matters that much. Right. If you are Mike Zimmer, maybe you look at it as a simple math formula. If they spend one more minute on Sean Hill or 1% of their time on Sean Hill and 99% of their time on Sam Bradford, that's 1% that they wasted. Right. And we're over here knowing who their quarterback is and knowing who our quarterback is because I believe that right now they know. Yes. And I I believe that probably the entire roster knows. Aaron Rodgers was on a conference call with us today, and the only interesting thing he really said was – Guys, as soon as you walk away, they probably go right to practicing yes. with the top quarterback running the first team. Spoken like a man who's probably been through that. Not <laughs> yes. not at, at that position himself, but probably with other things. Yeah, or with other players who yes. may or may not be playing. Like, all right, media's gone. Let's just get into yep. the real deal here. Because today, of course, they were going through the warm-up dance of Bradford throws one, mm-hmm. then Sean Hill throws yes. one. But, again, if you if you make them waste any other time, I mean, you could see that just by looking at Mike Zimmer's face and his press conference by Friday, I mean, they, they are just putting in so many hours mm-hmm. into these games that if you're wasting any of the time of the other team to put hours into something they actually don't have to prepare for, then you're saying that's a win, even if it's the tiniest, tiniest little win. It is, and I think there there is no scenario where it benefits them to give information even even if the risk of giving information is infinitesimal if there's still this little crumb of an advantage that you can gain from that or that you believe you can gain from that I do not I I reject the premise that there is a big advantage from not telling somebody who your starting quarterback is going to be and I also think that most cases in the NFL if you have to decide on your starting quarterback you probably don't have one that has distinguished himself anyway. You said, obviously, the Packers don't have that decision to make this week. The Vikings know who the Packers starting quarterback is going to be. Part of the reason for that is that the Packers have probably the best quarterback in the NFL, and it's not a question. That gives you an advantage. But the way NFL coaches think, if there's something that I can do that will give me the littlest bit of an edge here, I'm going to take it. And, you know, Mike McCarthy said it today that, 
I think talking to the Packers reporters that you can't let it give another team an edge. You you spend the extra time. Yes, you end up probably losing some sleep. Yes, you go over some more things, but you can't let it make it so that there's an advantage because if you do, you haven't done your job. And then that taps into exactly what you're saying is it's the dance. It's, well, we want to make you prepare. Well, we're not really, or we'll just spend a little more time than usual on right. your guy. And then there's just sort of playing this little game between each other, which probably if you're the Vikings, you're like, good, let's make them play the game rather than not play the game. Right. But when it comes to the coach mentality, we know that, these guys are breaking down the game into such an unbelievably, uh, I guess, detailed level yep. to the point that they probably do go way too far in caring about this. Yes. Thing. Like, what? how good Sam Bradford is going to play is not going to depend on whether they think Sean Hill's going to play or not. It's going to be whether he knows the offense yep. and whether he's ready to go against the Packers' defense, which I guess we're going to find out because I think we all believe that he's going to play. It's not going to be because, oh, man, they thought Sean Hill was going to run that route. Like you said, the only difference is between these two quarterbacks. I mean, there are, you know, some that you could break down. But watching them throw today, I just thought, all right, Sam Bradford's way better yeah. at throwing the yeah. football than Sean Hill. So even if he's limited somewhat in what he could do with the playbook, he still is much more talented of yeah. a quarterback and can make throws that Sean Hill can't and is a much better athlete. I mean, if you think about it, their game last week worked, right? Mike Malarkey said, I think it's going to be Sam Bradford. It was not Sam Bradford. Yeah, yeah. The Vikings still did not score an offensive touchdown in that game, <laughs> right. which tells you that it still comes down to execution more than it does subterfuge. The, I don't think the Titans came out there Sunday and said, well, wait a minute. We thought it was Bradford. Now it's Hill. What are we going to do? I mean, the the Vikings didn't have a point at halftime, and – still got the majority of their points on defensive touchdowns. So, I mean, that tells you that for all of this stuff and this dance that we all do, this game that we all play, it comes down to who executes their stuff better on Sunday. And that's what this game is going to come down to as well. So that topic will continue to be, I'm sure, a focus all week. And, you know, we'll, we'll be asking that question a couple more days and we'll get non-answers a I've couple more days. I've started to enjoy it a little. I mean, like, it's uh, it's wearing on me. It's yeah. almost like Harambe jokes where it's reaching the peak of, like, all right, those aren't that funny anymore. Yeah. And the same thing with Crying Jordan. Like, it had the NCAA championship where Crying Jordan peaked. And yeah. then since then, it's like, so I've had my peak of who's going to be the quarterback. But now when I think we've all figured it out, like, all right, let's just uh, get to this and yes. let's never talk about this Yes, again. let's get this over with. And let's maybe get to a point where you have one of these guys establish themselves enough that for your own sake, more so than for ours, you know who your quarterback's going to be every week. That, I think, is the point where they have to get if they want this season to turn into what they believe it can. And hopefully we will be there sooner than later, again, more for their sake than ours. But the focus for the rest of this week, of course, is on, on the big matchup with the Green Bay Packers. We mentioned the quarterback situation for the Packers. It's not a situation. It's Aaron Rodgers. Right. He's the same guy that, that has tormented the Vikings for years. They've been better against him. Since Mike Zimmer came to town, Mike Zimmer had flustered Aaron Rodgers in a couple matchups when he was the Bengals defensive coordinator, too, to the point where Aaron Rodgers has a lot of pretty respectful things to say about Mike Zimmer every time he's asked about him. When when you go into this game, now that Rodgers has his weapons back, now that he has Jordy Nelson back, has Eddie Lacy at a more productive weight, probably, and more motivated, <laughs> yeah. um, what do we expect to see Sunday night from the Packers offense? You know, Jordy Nelson, to me, is the biggest focus because he wasn't there last year. Yep. 
And in the past, Xavier Rhodes had had some success against Jordy Nelson. But now it doesn't look like, at least by the size of the brace on Xavier Rhodes' leg, like there's any chance he's going to play this week. So if he's not playing, that means, and one of the things that was mentioned about Jordy Nelson by Mike Zimmer was that they move him around. You know, some wide receivers are in kind of the same spot every time, but he, like Stephon Diggs maybe, is going to be in the slot, he's going to be outside, you know in different positions if i'm mike mccarthy i'm going let's find ways to get him against trey wayne absolutely i thought trey wayne struggled last week i did too in coverage he was there in the spot he was supposed to be but even captain munderland was talking about he's got to be a little more aggressive he's got to make plays on the ball and mike zimmer had the same sort of reaction like well you know he started to come along he was the weakest link on the defense last week yeah and if you're watching that you're going we've got our superstar wide receiver back a guy who has freakish chemistry with aaron Rodgers, and they they used to like carpool to practice or something (laughs) i mean they're they're pretty uh in sync and they have a backup cornerback who's going to be playing instead of their really good cornerback who shut him down in the past that to me is the entire game yeah i excuse me i would agree with that because i mean the other piece of this is that Xavier Rhodes has gotten to a point in recent years where they are comfortable moving him around yeah. and having him shadow one guy. They do this a lot with whether it's been Calvin Johnson or Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Jordy Nelson to some extent. I think they've done it. They've done it with uh, you know a lot of the, a lot of the top receivers. I think they did it with Mike Wallace a couple of years back when he was in Miami. They typically will do this with I, I'm sure with Odell Beckham in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. if Rhodes is mm-hmm. healthy. We'll see that again. <clears throat> you don't do that with Trey Wayne's because you don't really trust him to be able to know the techniques when he's on the mirrored side of where he typically has been now he's played left cornerback before he played it the last year but I don't think you're going to trust him to just follow one guy around the field yet so I mean the fact that that they can't say we're going to stick one corner on Jordy Nelson and he's your responsibility on almost every play unless he goes into the slot that has been the way that people have gotten around Xavier Rhodes shadowing is to stick a guy in the slot and the Packers probably would do that with Nelson too but if Rhodes is not playing, you don't have any of that. So I would expect Aaron Rodgers to find Trey Waynes early and often, and we will certainly see. If Marcus Mariota threw at Trey Waynes as much as he did Sunday, I expect Aaron Rodgers will do the same early and often this Sunday as well. Yeah, and I really love the fact that it's Sunday night football, Mike Zimmer, defensive guy versus, you know, one of the best defensive coaches, one of the best defenses in terms of talent, a defense that literally won you the game in week one against the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't think there really is a debate about who the best quarterback in the NFL is right now. I mean, I I think it is Aaron Rodgers, number one, and then we talk about it's probably maybe Cam Newton is number two, or there's some debate between him winning, you know, Newton winning the MVP and who's but I, I don't think that Newton is better than even Rodgers. Newton, you get the – I mean, obviously the running adds a different element to it. Right. But in terms of a pure quarterback, no, it, I don't yeah, think Yeah, I don't think else. there's anybody better. So you have one of the best defensive coaches, one of the best defenses, and then it's against him. And we've seen him in the past that no matter who his weapons are, who he wants to make a superstar out of that night, he'll do it. He's had bad offensive lines, bad running game, and it just doesn't ever seem to matter. He's just that good. The other thing that I'm watching, though, for this game – is on the other side of the ball, uh, the Packers shut down Jacksonville's running game yep. in week one. And Jacksonville, yep. I know they don't have an Adrian Peterson. The Packers but have a lot fewer rushing yards than any team in the league week one. I think it was like 48 or something. Yeah, I think it was under two yards a carry for Jacksonville in week one. And the fact that the Vikings couldn't get anything going with Adrian Peterson against Tennessee. 
I mean, that makes me think, all right, Sam Bradford is going to want some help, right? Yes. They got away with yes. getting no help for Sean Hill, but I think Sam Bradford's going to want a running game. Yeah, I mean, that is – I mean, we, and we sit here and, and it's tempting to say, oh, is, is Adrian over the hill and, and all of this. When he's getting hit, on average, within a yard of the line of scrimmage, I mean, he, I think he averaged 1.1 yards before contact on Sunday. But some of that falls on the offensive line, too. I mean, I, I don't think – I mean, I would pump the brakes on the is Adrian over the hill conversation, but it is worth bearing in mind that they have had trouble in the last five or six games. I think we talked about it Sunday. Going back to last year, he has not been a guy that has kind of been able to take over games or at least help them close them out like he was early and into the middle of last season. That certainly bears watching because Mike McCarthy said it today. You start your preparation for this team by trying to stop Adrian Peterson. And that's certainly going to be the Packers' focus on Sunday night. I would expect we'll see the same kind of things that the Titans did. It's it's going to be run blitzes. It's going to be safeties coming up in the box. And it's going to be a lot of the same things. They're going to dare Sam Bradford to be able to throw on those things and or be able to – or you know, the Vikings to be able to block well enough and, and deal with the extra guys in the box well enough to – to beat them so yeah. I thought it was the, the front four of Tennessee yeah. that just dominated the defensive line I mean it, when Alex it comes, Boone had a tough day yeah, I thought yeah. I mean it, just watching a few of the runs today I mean just kind of watching it back like he got knocked back a couple yards in a couple of those and it was you know when you have a, a six foot eight guard coming back towards you it creates a pileup pretty fast yeah when I was going through they released the all 22 film yep. uh, last night and I was looking mostly at digs but just going play by play and yeah, there were a few times, and I know it was pointed out in the broadcast by Chris Spielman, which made it stick out in people's minds, that Peterson won cut and he's got it. But, of course, it's a heck of a lot easier to look from the press box view and say, oh, look, he has a lane over there. But right. in real time, it might not work that way, especially if the play isn't designed to go that way. And then you're just saying, oh, I'll just run that way, like it's a, a video game or something. Right. But there is one thing that's quite clear in watching it back is that the defensive line got worked, or the offensive line got worked by yeah. their defensive line. And, you know, the, the eight men in the box thing, Peterson has faced that his entire yes. career. To me, that's just not an excuse for not being able to run him. What it will come down to is that offensive line, and can they create any sort of leverage against the defensive line? Because there are ways that you can deal with eight men in the box. I, I was watching back some tapes from, from some big runs of his from last year you know lining up two tight ends on one side yeah. and, and running him to the outside trying Sometimes to split the three field on the one side right yeah they, they did that right and he had some success so there are ways to do it but if you just get demolished in the middle yeah yeah you're not going anywhere well and that's going to be the matchup i think to watch is what does mike daniels do in the middle of that defensive line mike daniels has turned into a heck of a player for the packers on the defensive line and and how much space is he going to eat up and, and how much of a, a problem are the vikings going to have with him it certainly is going to be interesting to watch that because yeah, I mean, the Vikings have to, especially when you don't have the quarterback situation settled anymore, they have to be able to run the ball. They are not built to be able to play from behind. They are built to play with a lead, let their pass rushers go to work, and let Adrian Peterson be able to, to chew clock and, and you know extend drives. So if they're not able to do that again going into Carolina, I mean, that is going to be one of those things that you wonder about. And there have been years where Adrian Peterson has – has gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Certainly last year we saw it week one, and then by week two he was, you know, looked like the same guy again and, and really was, was fine for the middle part of the season. But uh, that is going to be one of those things that you certainly have to keep an eye on uh, this week as they try to 
get more rhythm on offense. Andy Carlson here for the Purple for the Win podcast, dedicated to the pain and pleasure that is the Minnesota Vikings and baby. 1500 ESPN has seen a fit to bring us into the sphere this year, so we'll be doing three shows a week, talking Vikings, have a car wash of fantastic guests, talk at length about the backup tight end situation. And remember, everyone's middle name is Jerome. It's going to be a lot of fun or terrible. It'll be one of the two. Get it on the 1500 and Podcast One app or on iTunes or at purpleftw.com. Let's go. The other thing that I'm looking at for this game is Stefan Diggs. And if Adrian Peterson can't get going, it, are we going to see Stefan Diggs become one of those target him 15 times in a game type wide receivers if they have to transition into being more of a passing offense? Because if Peterson has hit that wall, which, you know, historically, a lot of running backs are great and great and great, and then it isn't like a slow fade. Yeah. It's just like off the side of a cliff all of a sudden. Yeah. With There was a good study about this by football perspective. I, when you're talking about, like, Emmett Smith or Curtis Martin, they would still be having good seasons. Yeah, they just and then drop. all of a sudden, yep. yep. And if that happens, then there, it's going to have to be a pure passing offense where uh, Sam Bradford has to throw it 35 times a game. And with the way Stephon Diggs played in week one, again, like you said with Peterson, it is just one week. But he did a little bit of everything. I mean, he ran great routes. He got a deep ball. He showed he, how well he can compete for the ball and, and high-pointed as just to yep. use some Mike Mayock type yeah. language there. But really becoming a fantastic wide receiver. And I wonder if this could be uh, the breakout for him to go from, hey, you had a really nice rookie season to you are the guy on this team. Well, it's certainly possible. I think he reminds me in a lot of ways of what Greg Jennings used to do when he was younger. Maybe not quite the same consistent deep threat that the Jennings was back then. Now, of course, he had Brett Favre throwing the ball. But the the route running, you know, how smooth he is as a route runner, his hands, I mean, he, his ability to work back for the ball, his ability to run after the catch. You see a lot of things that remind you a little bit of, of Jennings in his younger years. And especially now that I think, the big piece is that they're able to move him around. Last year he was playing split end all the time, which meant he got a lot of press coverage. He got guys, once he had those first couple great weeks, he had guys getting up in his face and mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to reroute you, and you're not a big enough guy to, to win those things at the line of scrimmage all that often. Now that they have him playing flanker, he's not getting pressed because he's not lining up on the line of scrimmage. They can move him into the slot. I mean, they can create matchups for him more effectively than they were able to do last year as, as in terms of him becoming you know the go-to guy that catches 80 90 balls we'll see I mean I still think you probably want a guy ideally that's a little bit bigger to do that I mm -hmm. think Laquan Treadwell is certainly that's why he's here but Diggs right now is is unquestionably the best thing they have I, th I thought Charles Johnson Sunday just his timing just looked off with Sean Hill all day and I I think as good as we saw him look with Teddy Bridgewater, he just didn't have that timing, that chemistry with, with Sean Hill, and I don't know if he'll have it with Sam Bradford. And then you go on down the line, Jerry is right not playing Sunday, and, and it clearly looks like his position in this pecking order is not what it once was. And, and Laquan Treadwell didn't – I mean, he was active, but he didn't play a snap. So you really had four receivers doing most of the work, and really it was three. I mean, Cordero Patterson catches a, a pass mm – -hmm. But really, it's Diggs, Johnson, Thielen. So it, if Laquan Treadwell is taking some time to come along, it, it does get thin pretty quick, which means you have to rely on Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I think with the way that Johnson played, might 
have them look at that Treadwell decision again and go, well, yeah, maybe, that'll be interesting. Maybe to see. this time he should be in the game, even if he's only getting a few snaps here yeah. or there. I mean, we know certainly that, in the red zone. I think that would help, especially with his size yeah. and how he can go exactly. up and get it. I yep. mean, and with Patterson, he gets a few offensive snaps and we know that he's not a reliable wide receiving option. But hey, you know, you ra- you ran him on an end around one play. Yep. You could throw him in there for just what he's used for. And it really shocked me that Treadwell wouldn't have been in the game. Yeah, My, I thought that was surprising, too. Mike Zimmer downplayed it, but to not have a first round pick play at all not yeah. even 10 snaps or something was I think really stunning well and they've done that before I mean they did that with Trey Waynes they certainly brought him along slow last year because they had the luxury of being able to do it but I thought I mean, it's one thing when you have when you got to play two corners every snap and you have Terrence Newman on the other side a, a guy that Mike Zimmer probably trusts on a level that he trusts few other players just because mm-hmm. of his experience with him it's a little different though when the receivers aren't there's not that pedigree there that that Terrence Newman, a guy like that, has. I I thought we would see at least a little bit of Laquan Treadwell on Sunday, and I, I thought it was interesting that he wasn't out there, and it, it was kind of interesting to talk to him today because it clearly was not something that he expected or was terribly happy about. I mean, you're going to have to deal with that as a rookie, but it will be very interesting to see how they use him going forward because I do think he can help, especially in the red zone. Yeah, and when I talked to him before week one – he just seemed really – I mean, he kept saying, I'm focused, I'm focused. But just even talking about making his debut, mm-hmm. he seemed to be really, like, antsy about it and excited about it. And then to see him not even get on the field was like, oh, okay, all right. Now, I mean, he's got to be uh, – especially if they weren't clear with him that he wasn't going to play. I mean, how do you feel if you're Laquan Treadwell there? Or or is there a reason that he should have known about? Because I know that the thing that the stamps that seem to be everywhere on signs and everything else is play smart, right? Play yep. smart. Yep. And whether you're a first-round pick or you're a fifth-round pick like Stephon Diggs, if you are a coach like Mike Zimmer – What's the what's the number one thing? Like you've got to know the playbook. You've yep. got to know where you're supposed to be on every play. And I think someone like Adam Thielen, a guy who was what not drafted, right? Yeah. I mean that that might set you ahead and get you a job because a lot of guys can run real fast. A lot of guys can catch the ball, but being in the right place is something that seems to separate wide receivers. So if Treadwell is not there from that level, you could see Zimmer as being a guy who says, I'm sorry, I just don't trust you out there right now. Well, and that was the entire reason why Cordero Patterson couldn't get on the field. I mean, the last two years, Zimmer spelled it out as, as quickly and as clearly as he could. This guy is not doing the things that he needs to do to be a dependable receiver. He was cutting routes off short. He would he would leak out an, on an on an out route. He would leak outside the numbers when his responsibility was run straight up the numbers. Maybe stem inside for a step and and break back outside to set the corner back up. He would basically give away what he was doing with the way he ran his route. All of those little detail things were why Cordero Patterson couldn't get on the field. And it was interesting to hear Mike Zimmer say, "It's not an accident. It's not like we're just." saying, oh, let's just put this guy out there. Mm-hmm. We put him out there because he's shown that he can handle it and he's put in the work. So there could be some of that. And just, I mean, and I'm not saying that I, I feel like Laquan Treadwell is as cert- – certainly I don't think he's in a remedial sense like Patterson was there as mm-hmm. a route runner. I, I don't think that's it. But they have shown that we do – like you're saying, we have to trust you. We're not going to just give you snaps because you're a first-round pick and – 
you know, your status says you should be on the field. Your pedigree says you should be on the field. Right. You have to show us that you can earn it. I mean, Adam Thielen beats out a guy in Jarius Wright that they just gave a contract extension to a year ago. And they're saying, no, Adam Thielen gives us more of what we want right now. And, and we're not going to sit here and have to do the, the, uh, the pecking order thing. Yeah. And, uh, I think also Zimmer pointed out, like, Stephon Diggs was inactive for a couple of weeks and then became yep. one of the best rookie wide receivers in the league. So, guys, don't make too much of this, I think is what he was trying to tell us. Don't panic. This is kind of a how-I-do-things sort of deal instead of putting him out in over his head if he doesn't fully understand how the offense works, and that's how we're going to do it. Um, the only other thing I had um, that I had sort of had in mind of talking about with uh, the weapons was Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. Because he didn't play many snaps. Now, he has been on the injury report. Of course, <laughs> we don't know to what extent the injury is because yeah. they never really uh, reveal any of that. Yeah. But he did play. It wasn't a lot. I had gone into this year thinking that Jarek McKinnon could go from, hey, that guy makes some plays every once in a while, to they're using him all the time and he's really good. That didn't happen in week one, but if you're Sam Bradford, guy who likes short passes, used a lot of them last yeah. year in Philadelphia – I think he could be a great weapon going forward. I do, too. I, I think if he's healthy, he certainly is there, and he's had a, these, these foot and lower leg issues. I mean, he had a – he gotten a tweaked something. I can't even remember what it was now in training camp a little bit. I, I want to say it was I, – I don't remember if it was his ankle. or I mean, he, he had one practice where he, he limped off and had had some issues after that, and then he had this foot thing going on the last couple of weeks here. So – you know that could be slowing him down a little bit, but yes, he is a guy that I thought was going to be a big factor in this offense. And and we're talking about one week. I mean, we've got 15 weeks to to play this out yet. But yes, he is a guy that I think, if you're a new quarterback like Sam Bradford, he certainly can help you out. I mean, he certainly is a guy that you can catch some of those short passes and you can get him the ball in different ways and and have him make some plays without having to throw down the field as much. And and yeah, Sam Bradford's been a guy that typically has been more of what we saw from Teddy Bridgewater more short stuff more checkdowns more quick hitting type routes I mean those are the things that Sam Bradford does well and and that would lend itself to, to getting the ball in Jarek McKinnon's hands I do wonder about Bradford and his difference with uh, Teddy Bridgewater similarities and differences yeah. that those checkdowns and stuff uh, as funny as it may sound like there is an art to being effective at those yep I don't actually don't think that Sean Hill, when I went back to look, all right, what are, what are we looking at with Sean Hill, a couple of his starts with the Rams? Yeah. I thought he was bad at it for a, yeah. lot, like, a lot of times. Just like he wasn't getting the ball in the right position for his guys to run after catch. He wasn't getting it out fast enough. I think there's, there's something to being effective in that short passing game. There's yep. a reason why Alex Smith continues to be a fairly successful NFL quarterback yeah. with a 90-something quarterback rating because he's, he's really good at that. Uh, I, I don't know how good Bradford is at those those 15-yard outs or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the like stuff hit, that North Turner yeah, you know, kind that of Yeah, that he staples. loves and yeah. that Bridgewater was really good at. I think that's going to be something I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, assuming Bradford is the guy, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they tailor things for him. But yeah, the fact that you have guys like McKinnon, like Diggs that can run after the catch, Patterson too, I mean, you guys that can do that type, that type of thing certainly is going to help him out as they get into it. So. Um, you know, to, to wrap up here, I guess we're finally here. We're we're finally going into a game that matters at U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm -hmm. The Vikings wanted the Packers. They wanted the big opening act. They wanted the Sunday night debut. They've got it. You know, Vikings fans are. I think there's there's kind of a mix of excitement for the moment, but also kind of trepidation of okay, how many Packer fans are going to come in here and and 
be you know yelling go pack go and, and booing our team and all of this kind of stuff and it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun on Sunday night but and we like we're talking about the chess match but the the mix of those two fan bases when they get in the same building is always a lot of fun and I think it's going to be a uh, a memorable evening Sunday night. Yeah, you know it's a, it's funny about that because there's always questions for people on Twitter or whatever like are you a fan of the team, you know, and I I've just got here from Buffalo. So. Sure. And, and I think all of us, whether it's you or me or any of the other Vikings reporters, like we're, we do our job on a daily basis, get you the information, analyze the team, talk to who we're supposed to talk to and things like that. And you, it's easy to lose sometimes some of the excitement for the day-to-day basis about what this all means. Yes. And I think as soon as we walk in there – and get the electricity of that building, I think ev- everybody, you know, even the, the media guys like you and I or the fans or whatever, is going to feel it, especially I love the fact that it's Sunday night. Yep. I mean, yeah. Sunday night just adds, it's at nighttime, it's on national TV, freaking Al Michaels is going to be like yeah. right over there. It's, it's going to be so cool. It just I'm feels really like a big it. game when Al Michaels is in the building. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It, and this will be the third time in the last four Vikings regular season games, actually – I think they called the playoff game too. I think they had them three weeks in a row, and then so before of their last five games that counted for something were being called by Al Michaels. And generally, as a rule of thumb, if Al Michaels is calling your games four out of five, especially with three of them being at the end of the season, that usually reflects well on how prominent and how significant your team is. Yeah, yeah. No, so I totally agree. Yeah, it'll be it's going to be a fun night Sunday night. We will be uh, chronicling the run up. For the rest of the week at ESPN.com and 1500ESPN.com, we will be back with another edition of the Purple Podcast probably in the wee hours of Sunday, uh, Monday morning, I guess. You and I and, and Judd Zolgad will probably be there breaking down the Packers and Vikings on Sunday night and looking ahead to the Panthers and Vikings the following week. Uh, it should be should be quite a, a scene at U.S. Bank Stadium. My advice to fans going Bring earplugs. That place is oh, loud. Yes. Yes. It, it is Metrodome loud with a better sound system. So if you are the type that uh, wants to not have your ears ringing in the morning, plan accordingly. For Matthew Caller, I'm Ben Gessling. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more of the Purple Podcast on Sunday. Hope you enjoyed this one, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for calling Navy Federal Credit Union. How can I help you? Hi. If I'm in the Army, not in the Navy, am I still eligible for membership? Yes, you are. What about my sister in the Air Force? Her too. And my dad's a Marine. We serve all branches of the military, veterans, and their families. My dog is a retired military working dog. I'll see what I can do. Find out if you're eligible at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA.